Hello and welcome to Kicking Tires. My name is Jimmy. And I'm Justin. And today's April 6th and we got some Honda news, some Honda GM news, some Mercedes stuff, some Hyundai stuff, and some Lexus stuff and a little bit more ranting about Toyota. But we'll get to that at the end. Let's dive first into the biggest news this week, or at least I think it's the biggest news this week. Yeah, it's the most relevant. It's the car that will sell probably the most, so it it is probably the biggest story we're getting. It's not a big story because we kind of covered this already in the past. But yeah. Well, the, well, the problem is not only is it a, not a big story, there's just nothing for us to really say about it other than yeah. the looks. No so, specs. Honda dropped the 2023 HRV, which we did kind of talk about before when they kind of teased it. Uh, but there's there's absolutely no specs here. There's no information about the vehicle. But there are some things that we have found, and we're going to share that with you. So unlike the previous HRV, which was based off the Honda Fit, this one is based off the Civic, which means that it's going to be bigger, taller, wider, all that good stuff, and most likely. Instead of being powered by that little 1.8 that the HRV had in the past, it's going to be a two liter now. Uh, and that was like 158 horsepower or something like that. Should be, a, should be a decent engine for the HRV. I'm curious if they'll put the 1.5 in it. But if, yeah. they put, if they put the 1.5, would it kind of cannibalize like the CRV? Because it's the same engine as a CRV right yeah i think it's fine like cannibalization is is a necessity like ultimately you want to compete with the taos the the cash and all these cars yeah. um which to be fair no one is really putting like uh, outstanding motor in that segment either uh mazda has a cx30 with an amazing 2.5 crickets how much is that car? Like, it's, it's. I mean, it's a lot more, but you're getting 250 horsepower, not 150 horsepower. <laughs> like, it's a hundred more uh, horsepower and like 200 pound feet more torque. Come on, so like, okay, maybe not 200, but like, it's it's a lot more power and torque. Uh, but yes, you're also paying 45, 40 grand, <laughs> 40 something. This starts at like 26, 27. <laughs> Most of the segment starts around 26. CX, uh, CX 30 starts there too. They just extended the range higher. All right. Uh, but okay, let, let's go back to this HRV. The side profile of this thing is the dorkiest looking thing mm -hmm. I've seen in a very long time. Um, and it's mainly because like the wheels, they just don't extend all the way to the ends of the chassis. So you got this massive front overhang. The yeah. rear is is pretty long, I would say as well. It just doesn't look great. Yeah. I mean, it's very practicality minded. Like yeah. the belt line is very low. Typically on an SUV, quote, quote unquote SUV, you would have a much higher belt line just to give it that extra height. Like it looks like it's a higher car but this they're just like nah this is just like a lifted wagon like yeah, yeah. it's it's just weird um so in comparison to the hrv that the rest of the world gets uh that one is still going to be a smaller chassis because that one is based on the fit i believe i could be wrong you know what i'm pretty yes. sure i'm like it's 90 fit. Yeah. yeah like and that one i think it looks 
it looks nice. It's all grown up, but I guess just for for North Americans, like we always want a larger vehicle. That's why this exists. You know, yeah. this HRV is not really an HRV. It's like slotting between HRV and the CRV now. It's more replacing what the CRV used to be for a lot of us. Right. Because right? everything's grown up so much. Like I was like, what is the what does the HRV compare to? Which which Hyundai Kia model does it compare to? I'm like, I remember the sportage being around this size, like looking at it visually, and I'm like, and I look at the new sportage, I'm like, oh no, this they've yeah. grown so much. And I'm like, I don't even know what to compare anymore. Well, but yeah. Well, the old CRV was based on the Civ or based on the Civic, right? The Isn't CRV the new one as well, technically, but it's like stretching all sorts of places. Whereas the old one wasn't as much. The first gen CRV was tiny. Yeah, yeah. Then they made it bigger and bigger and bigger. So it like, keeps getting bigger. Yeah, yeah. The I think the 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 biggest competitor to this is kind of like Corolla Cross, Corolla Cross, and the Taos. I think. Yeah, the, the Taos, Taos is pretty small. The Taos is pretty small, uh, but the Taos had, you know, the German engineering kind of behind it. Um, and I've seen the Taos inside, and I think the interior is quite nice. But, yeah, it's nice for the money, and it has a handsome look to it. The yeah. Corolla Cross was probably the dorkiest in the segment, and then Honda's like, hold my beer, Toyota. <laughs> We're going to make this one dorkier. So... Actually, I, I just reviewed the Corolla Cross and got the video posted just on Monday. Um, I think the Corolla Cross is decent looking. I think it's yes. better looking than the Corolla Cross that other markets get. Because other markets, they have a weirder grill. Mm. We get the grill that's very right similar to RAV4. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this uh, I, I'm curious what they want to do with this HRV. Um, and something that we said just before the show was, if this HRV will still get the magic seats, the magic seats, if you don't know, it's what made the HRV just so useful as like a carrying all purpose type vehicle. Because the seats, they fold it up and you can put a bike on the back seat across the rear seats and you can fold the seats down and have a completely flat floor with a really high ceiling. Or you can have relaxed mode, which no one's ever used. I, I use that in my Honda Fit because I was like, hmm, I want to be comfortable. And I put the rear seats back, front seat all the way down, relax mode. Like, it was a great, great feature in the Fit as well as the HRV. I'm curious if they're going to do that with this. Yeah, I mean, judging by how they've cut the doors... It's a very upright car. It's it's got that Honda Fit vibe to it. So hopefully they keep it because I I can't really think of any reason to get this car otherwise. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, why why would you even bother? <laughs> it's it's not really an HRV anymore. It it truly isn't. Yeah, I never really understood that segment to be honest though because, and I I'm not not just talking about the HRV but also the the Taos the Corolla Cross. Uh, the Kashkai, these kind of cars, because they just don't save you that much money for what it's worth. Um, I don't know. To me, I just go one size up. I'll just go straight to the RAV4, the CRV. So I did some calculations when I had the Corolla Cross. Um, the equivalent model of the Corolla Cross to the RAV4, you're saving about two 
to four thousand dollars depending on which trim you get mm-hmm. um the corolla cross has some stuff that the raf4 doesn't have and vice versa so it's kind of weird there uh, but you also save money on fuel corolla cross the gasoline version versus the raf4 gasoline version you save a little bit there as well so like over the years you know you'll save more there uh but i get what you mean the savings isn't huge like maybe five thousand dollar difference initial like costs not even like two to five thousand initial five yeah like it's and you're getting getting... a bigger like higher end car because you look at a taos like the taos looks decent but it looks cheap compared to a tiguan yeah Uh, and i think that goes for this whole segment the corolla cross looks worse than a rav4 like i know it's subjective but I don't think it's that subjective. Like if you ask a hundred people, the the CRV, well, we don't know what the new CRV looks like, but I have a feeling this HRV is gonna look worse. Yeah. I mean they they should spend less money on this than they would on the CRV. Because uh-huh. the CRV is a bestseller, right? So it would make sense for them to to spend a little bit more there. You're absolutely yeah, right. And they, they're gonna cut corners on the interior. Uh you know, we the house interior looks decent, but definitely cheaper materials and like yeah, a it lot doesn't more f- black plastic. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. It looks good. It doesn't feel great. Yeah. Like with many like vehicles in this class. A lot more car for the extra three to four grand uh, in most cases. So, yeah. Unless you buy a Mazda CX-30. <laughs> in which case, it just flips the script. It just <laughs> like... You're well, already... Sp- yeah, I think the CX thirty is a better interior than the CX five because it's the CX thirty is a new. The CX thirty is the most claustrophobic interior, though. It, like, it is a little bit my like, so my, the same way that the HRV looks dorky because it's got a a low belt line. The CX thirty is a, you feel like you're in a submarine when you're driving that thing, even though it, it's supposed to be a lifted version of like a Mazda three, but it you feel like you're sunken in there. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the doors aren't uh, any lower uh, and the roof line isn't much taller. And it's the same thing with the CX-50 as well. Anyways, completely off topic. Let's move on to GM and Honda. GM and Honda has been working for a very, very long time. A legendary partnership. Uh, Best they... automatic transmission. <laughs> <laughs> I had a 6-gen Honda Accord, which is a 2000... Mine was a 99, so that came out 98 to 2002. Um, And every single V6 automatic transmission was made by GM, and every single one of them failed. So looking super forward to this partnership. Uh, But what they're doing is they're they're creating an affordable EV and targeting the most popular vehicle segment, which is a compact SUV. So what they're hoping to do is by 2027 to have a product that you and I can afford. It's not going to be, you know, a model S plaid. That's $150,000. It's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be an affordable EV that people can drive. And you know, 2027 is not bad because here in, I forgot if it's BC or Canada, but they're going to stop selling new gasoline vehicles by 2035. So, right, 2027, it's going to be before that. You still have some time to kind of make your decision. So I think it's it's good news. It definitely is. Um, There's no transmissions. So, you know, 
<laughs> One last thing to break. It can't do that anymore. It can't break there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to see this because the Equinox um, SUV that they kind of tease looks really good in those kind of artist renderings that they had. Uh, but we'll see, of course, you know, how it actually is in real life when it comes out. Anything you want to say about the Honda GM relationship? Uh, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, like it is a car that we really need. Mm. Um, I think 2027 is a little bit late to the game. Like we, we need EVs now. Um, but with production, the way it is, it's just getting worse constantly. Like, I think we had like a silver lining or like a glimmer of hope, like a few weeks ago, and then the war happened, and then now we're it's it's kind of fell back a little bit. Like, yeah, we're we're really behind. Uh, we need we need affordable EVs like ASAP, but it's it doesn't seem like it's that big of a challenge, but with production the way it is there's just yeah, yeah. 2027 is unfortunately how long it takes to get something like this rolling yeah sounds like i'll hold on to my crv for a little while longer but speaking of affordable evs mercedes is like screw that no affordable evs from us because this is going to be the eqs suv they had some teaser images of the exterior no real photos thus far uh, but they have shown us full photos of the interior, which if you looked at it, you'll be like, isn't that just an EQS? Mm -hmm. And yes, it is just an EQS. Mercedes has basically taken this platform and applying to multitude of different cars. So the EQS, EQE, as well as the EQS SUV. Yeah. I this mean, is it's the one that looks like the uh, Lancia Ypsilon, I think it's called. <laughs> um well supposedly okay yeah it's, it's like a bean looking suv thing yeah it definitely is a bean looking suv yeah lancia is it the ypsilon or the theta but lancia has got like a bean looking hatchback suv thing that this mm. reminds me of oh is it the one with the curved down taillights yeah it kind of looks like a pt cruiser yeah <laughs> i mean i don't i don't know what that looks like i don't like pt cruisers um, <laughs> but in the press release, what they have said is this is going to be a three-row SUV. The third row is going to be more spacious than the GLE, but not the GLS. Hmm. So you can already think that this is going to be a slightly smaller than the GLS. Um, and they did say that the most important part with the third row down, you can fit four golf bags because that's the true oh, measurement nice. of how spacious a Mercedes SUV is. Yeah, and well, and because there's no engine, the front overhang is a lot shorter than a GLE, right? Mm -hmm. So even though we're getting the same, if not bigger, interior volume, they say a little bit bigger, I'm sure exterior-wise, it's going to be pretty small. Probably, again, the GLE is huge now um, compared to the first gen based off of the like W202C class. Uh that generation ml like this the, the current one the gle is is massive mm -hmm. so this is if this is the s class of mercedes eq suvs it's pretty reasonably sized by modern standards yeah in 
every single review of the EQS, um, everyone's been really harsh on it, though. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see how this stacks up because everyone's like, the EQS is not the S-Class of Mercedes EV vehicles. It's too loud inside. It's too fussy. It's not spacious enough. Like it's, it just doesn't have the S-Class feel to it. The GLS never really had that. Although people call it the S-Class of SUVs, I never really thought the GLS lived up to that standard. Um, so I'm curious if, you know, this will be any better or worse, but only time will tell. Yeah, well, I, I mean, to be fair to the GLS, it was, tr I mean, when it first came out, the GL, say, 5, 3, 320, I guess, 320 Blue Tech, my family had one. Those were like, Seventy, eighty thousand dollar cars when an S class started way higher than that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really hard to say that. Oh well, that's the uh, S class of SUVs. But nowadays, a GLS is quite a bit more expensive, uh, but still uh, undercuts the S class. I think it does undercut the S class. Absolutely does. Um, but yeah, like they just tacked on the S name afterwards yeah. when they went. You to shouldn't the... be making that comparison. That. no yeah yeah well let's move on to another mercedes product this one it's a little bit more interesting i think it is the mercedes amg sl 43 so this may or may not come to our shores here but the sl 43 is going to be the baby sl it's going to have a little four cylinder in it uh two liter four cylinder it's the same one that's in the uh, CLA 45 AMG as well as the GLA 45 AMG. It still makes 389 horsepower. So don't yeah. think it's like, oh, like a 200 horsepower kind of thing. No, o almost 400 horse from this. Yeah. So it's still going to be like, you know, quick. It's making like a naturally <laughs> aspirated V8 level of power. Yeah. Which is why it gets the 43 name. Um, I was confused. I was like, wasn't 43 just a few years ago? A V6. Now it's a four, four, four cylinder. Plot. Yeah. Because it's the same as the CLA and A45. Right. Which would have made more sense to me because, like, okay, 45 is that engine. 43, one, which we had at the same time, like a C43 at the same time as a CLA45. Well, the C43 was a V6. And it's, it's just really confusing. Um, because the numbers don't mean anything anymore. So <laughs> horsepower is not displacement. It's no, it, it changes. And the thing is, it changes every other year. <laughs> it, it, it does. It changes too often. And at first it was like only the Germans that were lying about the numbers, not lying, but like the numbers that don't actually represent the engine. But now like Lexus does it as well. Right. Cause like the Lexus NX 350 H it's no, it's, not a 3.5 liter it's just a 2.5 liter naturally aspirated four-cylinder with the hybrid motor like <laughs> there's no distinction between those numbers anymore um one thing i was curious was you know because this engine bay was supposed to be built for a twin turbo v8 how much space would there be for this little four-cylinder but in the pictures it doesn't really seem like there's that much additional yeah. space in the engine bay so the, the inline motor, I guess, takes up as much length as the V8. Mm -hmm. 
Right. It's just slightly narrower. um, But it it doesn't look like it takes up any less space in the V8. Because it doesn't take, it doesn't do the hot V thing. Exactly. So the all, well, not all, but newer V8 twin turbo Mercedes engines have the turbos between the banks. But this, because I guess it's off to the side, it still takes up that entire uh, engine bay here. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's it's actually it makes sense. So serviceability wise, this is going to be a lot better. Like changing spark plugs on this, a lot easier. Changing a turbo or downpipe on this, like also a lot easier than the V8. Um, but the cavity is exactly the same. Um, it's the block itself looks like it only takes up about sixty percent of the space. Yeah, as a V8. Um, but yeah, it's still. It's a surprisingly exposed engine bay. Like, I thought all new cars, you can't really see the engine, but you can see everything in there. Yeah, you can see quite a bit. Yeah. And kind of interesting. I, I, I got to admit, I really like this color, this blue that they got going on. This looks know. like every, like, rap test like blue. Like, it's this. <laughs> it <laughs> it's kind of what I... I don't know why, but it, it reminded me of a Miata before. Uh, but now that you said a wrap Tesla, yeah, I think that's that's I, much more accurate. I definitely think 3M or Avery makes a wrap that is exactly this shade. Perfect. Um, hey, don't you have a Miata that you wanted to wrap? <laughs> not in this color. <laughs> but I mean, in, in terms of the overall look and shape, it's exactly the same as the Bigger Brothers, the 55 as well as the 63. I don't see much of a distinction visually, but of course... Um, you know, not having them side by side, it's super hard to say. It still looks yeah. like a, a good looking vehicle. I'm not a big fan of this SO. I think it's just a little too rounded for it's me. Too but... rounded, and then they gave it really pointy headlights. I like the roundness. <laughs> I think it's. I think the SL needs softer lines, like of what it represents. Um, you know, it's not the AMG GT. It's supposed to be a little bit softer, and the front is just so angry. I like it, like, with the top up, with the soft top, it looks classy from the rear three-quarter. But then you get to the front, and it's just like, eh, it looks like the angry cat, like like that meme with the ND. Mm. Uh, it looks like that a little bit, which yeah. I don't think is fitting of the SL. Yeah. I, I still wish. I, I know soft tops are really good these days. But to me, an SL has always been a hard top. No. I, I, like, I, I know soft tops are really good. Like Rolls Royce, the Dawn. I think it's a Dawn. That uses a soft top. Like I know they're very, very, very good. But I just, I don't know. There's something about a hard top SL that, that, that fits that kind of look. In maybe, you know, who knows? There'll be like a, uh, a cap type hardtop that you can get for it. Yeah, uh, they did for like the R two R one two nine gen. Yeah, uh, and the older ones you could get a hardtop. I actually had like a what is that gen? I don't even remember what it's called now. It's, it's not. It's the one before the R one twenty nine, but that one came standard with the hardtop, from what I know, and they all had the hardtop. Impossible to take off. Uh, it's <laughs> super heavy because there's like four pieces of glass on it. Um, it's like a four-man job to take off the hard top on that thing. Perfect. Uh, 
Yeah, but I like the soft top lines. I think the soft top is just oh, oh yeah. Elegant. The the lines on the soft top would definitely be better than a yeah. hard top, especially when they go to the four seater configuration because this, this is now a two plus two. Right. Uh, when we had the previous SLs, when they were just two seater, the hard top kind of works, but as you make it really long, um, I think the soft top is a nicer touch and it doesn't eat into the headroom as much. Right. Although the back seat is still likely a joke. Yeah. Um, it's still, <laughs> like, at least it's not a Lexus SC430. Mm, I remember for that, you don't have to, like, you, you have to have, like, no legs in order to fit in the back. And you're, like, completely 90 degrees. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't really know what Lexus thinks. Like, because I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that was a one off thing. And then they made the LC convertible, <laughs> which was just as bad, if not worse. Was, was the LC convertible a two plus two? Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's... I didn't. I didn't even know it was a two plus two. I just thought naturally it would be a just a two seater. You would think so, but no. They. It's <laughs> again. It's a legless. It's. I don't know who fits in. I want to see someone try to. Uh, there was some Netflix movie, and then one of the things that people called out for being like super unrealistic, as with as they do with movies, was that. Hey, they got people in the back of an LC. Yeah. It's called an LC, I, yeah. If, if anything, just a shelf would make more sense. Because that's really what you'll use it for, mm -hmm. right? Because you, you'll put whatever you need in the back. But having seats, yeah. Anyways, completely off topic. But yeah, um, I think this SL overall looks good. Four popper makes sense. It's going to be more efficient. It's gonna be lighter. That's what people really need, right? Like you, yeah. you don't need a, a big V8. You don't need 600 horsepower in an SL. Well, I I think just because of the four popper being lighter front end, like having that lighter front end, mm -hmm. it's gonna be making this a more engaging vehicle. I know it's a grand tour. That's really what it's for. Mm -hmm. But having a lighter front end is always a good thing. No, yeah. Not like super light, but. You know it's what a I mean. win. It's a win because it's going to get better fuel economy. And yeah, people that buy SLs are generally fairly old. <laughs> Anyways. Wait, so... didn't you say you had one before? <laughs> <laughs> it was a good deal at the time. <laughs> Speaking of good deals at a time, uh, I don't know why this would be a good deal, but... Uh... <laughs> Well, the Palisade, okay, the Palisade is the next story. The Palisade was intended to be a good deal. And then dealers started marking them up. And this kind of started, what that was what, back in 2019? It kind of kick-started the really in, in hyperinflation of above MSRP, like very pedestrian cars. Like it's one thing that, you know, a McLaren Senna is above MSRP. Yeah. But this it's a, it's a mass-produced, family vehicle it shouldn't be marked up that much because that kind of defeats the appeal the whole appeal is that it's affordable and it undercuts its competitors but when you jack it up 10 grand okay like... <laughs> well luckily here in canada um new vehicles have to be sold at msrp you cannot sell a vehicle over that but dealers have their own ways of you know going around that right now by tacking on accessories um, I saw a dealer that had, uh, was it a Pro 4X um, 
Frontier. And it had every single accessory tacked on, and they are not willing to take the accessories off if you want to buy the vehicle. Brand new vehicle, but you just have to buy all the accessories because that's where they make their money. But um, Hyundai, they, they teased a brand new Palisade. The Palisade came out in 2019, but no, it came out in 2018 as a 2019 model, I think, pretty sure. Um, and since then, it really hasn't got any updates. Uh, I mean, it, it looks fine, but it definitely is a little bit more dated uh, next to their Tucson because the Tucson looks really good. But this has some of that Tucson styling because it looks like the grill. It's like it's blingy. Mesh, um, yeah. But yeah. unlike the Tucson, the Tucson one is like illuminated. This doesn't look like it will be. This looks like it's just blingy. Uh, because the daytime rain lights go right off to the outside. And I think it actually looks kind of cool how it splits a little bit as well. It's it's a good look for it. And then they also have a picture of the front fender uh, from the side. So you can see the wheel. And the wheel looks like an EV wheel because it looks like this massive multi-spoke thing. Do you know what Palisade would be a great name for? Like a Cadillac model. And that's what I see when I see this headlight. Hmm. I see yeah. some Cadillac in this um, three-piece split design, and the Palisade Escalade kind of, you know, yeah, has that vibe. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, kind of large luxury SUV. That's in this case not actually that large, <laughs> but the Palisade's a, actually a really good car. Um, like I honestly wouldn't mind having one, but in just today's market, the Palisade, the the powertrain option. I mean, there's only one, that 3.8 liter V6. It yeah. just doesn't make sense in today's $2 a liter um, gasoline prices. That's the only thing, right? Yeah. If And I if doubt it, they'll really change anything with 2023. I don't think so. Um, in their entire lineup, the only other um, engine that they have is the that 1.6 liter hybrid that's in the tucson as well as santa fe but i just don't think that engine is sufficient to power the palisade don't they have a, like a two and a half liter in the genesis they do have a two and a half liter the turbo two and a half um that won't be bad as a base engine but i don't think it'll be sufficient for what people are looking for in the palisade i feel like the palisade and the kia Telluride, mm-hmm. they kind of like it's it's very Hyundai Kia for this to happen, but we were so excited for about three months, and then we kind of forgot about it. Like, look at this Kia Stinger, that had a solid six month run, and then and now people are saying it's the worst vehicle ever. <laughs> Savage Geese just released a video. <laughs> what did he say? He's like, this is the most disappointing car. The most disappointing car. Uh, it's, yeah, it was, it was I, rough. Paraphrasing here, don't remember exactly, but he he absolutely hated it. No, he uh, said this thing is an absolute piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so the worst part is that policy that, or sorry, that uh, stinger that he drove is with the new two and a half liter, three hundred horse, like the good motor that's from Hyundai and Kia, like it's a good motor. Uh, but the reason why he was so harsh on it is because it's supposed to be a rear-wheel drive platform that you can have some fun with, but 
but the platform with all the electronic natties on it just did not allow you to have any fun in it. And that was why he didn't like it. And there also wasn't a, a limited slip diff in the rear. So just one tire fired the entire way. Like it's, there, there's a lot of things that was wrong with that base stinger, but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of upsetting because I did really like the stinger when it got first announced. And I was like, hmm, this may be one of those cars that I want to pick up used in a few years. Because, you know, we all know Kia and Hyundai vehicles. They don't, they don't keep their, their value high. You know, buying a used one in two years, it's like 50% of the cost. So why the heck not, right? You know, save some money. But because the Stinger was such a flop, kind of, in terms of sales here, there just isn't that many on the market. Yeah, so it artificially is expensive used because there's just nothing to compare it to. And like yeah. Palisade, the cheapest one is 50k still. Like mm. you you're not gonna find one under 50. Um which is it really worth 50 for a two-year-old Hyundai? I don't know. Are you gonna have better reliability on you know a 2020 uh, Honda pilot, which mm. is in the same class, right? Or, you know, at 50K, that's the exact same price as the brand new Pathfinder. Like, if you can get one. If you can get one. Actually, I think Pathfinders Actually, are easier. Pathfinders yeah, are easier. Non -hybrid, to get. non hybrid Highlanders, you can also get too. Yeah, but you wouldn't buy a non hybrid Highlander. I mean, if you buy a Palisade, you clearly don't care about fuel economy. <laughs> yeah, but the reason you pick a Highlander is because it comes with a hybrid. I would never pick the 3.5 in the Highlander. It just doesn't so bad, make sense. Yeah. It's like, bad. It's it's not. It's one of the smallest like three rows, um, other than the CX9. CX9 is pretty small. Sorrento is also pretty small, but the Highlander is like small for its size. The 3.5 doesn't give you like much in terms of performance. Like, there's no reason to buy that, really. What do you like, mean the 3.5 doesn't get <laughs> It's the best, best V6 the, of all time. The 3.5 in a 2010 RAV4, very good. All right, how about oh, that? Oh, wait, oh, whatever. It's older, older RAV4 is so very bad good. on gas, though. It, it's gotten better over the years. Like, maybe, maybe the Highlander you, is actually better. Maybe if you stop racing Type R, it'll be a little bit better on gas. It, it's so fast, but it's just... No, even when I try to drive it efficiently, it, it will do 15 liters for 100K on the best day. <laughs> but when you start racing Type R's in it, you get, like, you see it move. I'm like, yesterday morning, I'm like, oh, I have just under half a tank of gas. This morning, I've, I'm just above empty. I'm like, where did it go? <laughs> I, I didn't even go that far. Wait, it's lifted. Someone may have just been stealing gas. Have you thought about I, that? I, I'm like, do I have a gas leak? I'm, yeah. I, I'm so shocked at how quickly this, this RAV6 runs out of fuel. You're, uh, you're going to be surprised one day. It's just going to be really loud. And someone just stole the cat. I'm surprised no one stole my truck's cat. I, I don't know. Maybe they don't put it like where it's accessible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your F-150 is just parked there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, F-150. Great segue to talk about some Ford news. Um, there was a patent. I'll let you talk about this one a little bit more. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the four-wheel steering trick? Four-wheel steering. Um, so Ford's got a patent uh, that's, you know, trying to compete with GM's uh, crab walk that they have on the Hummer. The Rivian's got some kind of version of it. And Ford, you know, just a few months ago, we talked about the um, trail turn assist where they basically drag the inside tire so you can really tight turning circle off-road. This is... Um, this is kind of geared towards the ev trucks right this is another off-road trick that they've they've just patented well they filed it two years ago or a year and a half ago but it just got published recently about uh, earlier last week and basically how it works is you have because this truck is going to have four-wheel steering whatever like this patent this patent is based on a truck that has four-wheel steering um the front and rear wheels turn opposite direction. That's pretty standard. Uh, at low speed, you know, all four-wheel steering will do this just to give you that extra maneuverability. But the trick is that they're turning, the, they're physically turned the opposite direction, but they're actually going to rotate in opposite directions, which mm. does that make any sense? It, it's so bizarre to picture because you have two wheels kind of, think like a v-shape like like if you're skiing downhill and you're your left uh your left ski and your right ski you're just pushing towards the same direction and the purpose of this is so that the the truck can scoot sideways um without moving forward or back so the front wheels rear wheels they're going at the same speed because they're physically i think there's a center lock essentially um, there's essentially a center lock, so it's they're spinning at around the same speed, but they're spinning in opposite directions. So it's just like hopping or think you know if you're sitting on a on a bench and just sliding sideways. So it's it's very trippy, um, and it's it's crazy because we we we're only getting this kind of technology because of electrification, and it's, it's just cool that manufacturers are doing things with electrification that you couldn't really do before because getting a motor to spin the opposite direction is a lot easier than getting a differential to <laughs> spin the opposite direction and and, uh, and uh, yeah it, it's it's pretty neat um i don't know what what application they're going to use this on uh maybe some kind of lightning raptor down the road but all the drawings show it's it's got to be a pickup truck of some sort yeah. Kind of interesting. So essentially you could just turn a little bit and just go sideways. Yeah. The crab walk on GM has both wheels turning the same way. So it's yeah. kind of diagonally moving. But this yeah. is just horizontally moving essentially. Because yeah. yeah this is this is for like if you really don't like tread on your tires. Yes, <laughs> it has to be off road. Like if if you're on loose dirt, this works. But it, yeah, um, then then it wouldn't be that bad. But like, man, and on tarmac, that would just you know. 50. And I'm wondering how bad this wears out your like differentials and stuff, or like just general running gear. Because you, you know when you watch those videos of people doing like tug of wars on their trucks, mm. and you see them like buckle and. Sh yeah, I just wonder like what this will do because the front of the truck and the back of the truck are essentially pushing the same way. They're pushing towards each other. Yeah, um, that's a lot of torque. Angle. That's a lot of torque applying to 
everything. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It'll be interesting. I mean, every kind of kind of EV truck has some sort of trick up its sleeve. So this would be just another thing to add to the bag, which is kind of cool. But yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of electrification, Lexus is coming in with the RZ. So RZ or RZ, um, it's going to be the RZ or RZ450E. This is basically Toyota BZ4X, the Lexus version, or the Subaru Solterra Lexus version. I mean, really, they teased the, the front headlight a little bit and the front like grill, like the front bumper and above, and the interior. We'll get to the interior in a sec. Let's talk about the front end. It looks like a Lexus that's been slapped onto the BZ4X. That's basically what it is. Nothing really too uh, extraordinary there. That's enough about the exterior. Unless you got something to talk about the exterior. Uh, it's it's what we thought it would have. It has a spindle face, yeah. not so much a grill. No, no grill. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it looks exactly like all the all uh, everyone predicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great so, name though. RZ. It's a lot easier to remember than BZ4X. Well, what is their two door RC? Right? Yeah, the two door coupe is an the RC. RC. They have the RX. Yeah, this the, is the RZ. Where's the Z line up? Zero. Hmm. I assume if, if that's what the Toyota. Version. And so maybe they, they'll have a whole line of Z cars. Z Z cars. So it's like maybe they'll get a smaller. It's NX or NZ. Yeah, that that makes not sense. a big. This is not a big car. Well, the the RZ is the BZ4X. It should be RAV4 size, which I thought this would be more like the NZ in terms of actual naming structure, right? Because mm. that's the N is well the NX. Is a RAV4, essentially. So, oh, but you got to remember, Lexus's naming schemes are—they're based off words, like the. Oh right, right. That's right. I I don't think the NX is to depict size. Mm. Um, what is the nomenclature of the NX? It stands for nimble crossover. Oh gosh, kind of means size, but um. And the UX stands for ugly crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Unofficially. Unofficially. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I'm I, driving. My friend is lending me, uh, Gladys' friend is lending us the uh, UX next week for when we're going to Toronto. Uh, oh, yeah, that is one note that we won't have an episode next week, I guess, because I'll be out of town. The UX name. What does the UX stand for? Urban Explorer, like it, it just doesn't mean. Mm. That's a that's a cool thing about Lexus, I guess, is that you don't think it means anything, but like, Urban Explorer. <laughs> okay. Someone just thought of that name afterwards. That's there's no way that that's what's you know that they had in mind. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe RZ means something. But... Really, really zero. Really, uh, yeah. But. Okay, let's let's talk about the interior photo that they popped up here. So the interior photo uh, that they show here, it's well, 
there's no better way to say it, but it's a yolk. Yeah, it's a pretzel. It looks like a pretzel. It, it's not a full-on yolk because the the top is closed off. Oh, why? Why? What? Why? Okay. So, okay. The yolk right. drives amazing. This is a better yolk. This yolk is because the the Tesla yoke is fine under normal driving, but when you're parking, it sucks. Like driving it around a parking lot sucks. But the Toyota yoke is nice because, or the Lexus yoke is nice because um, it goes higher up. The, the the Tesla one, it literally looks like someone just cut the top off of the steering wheel. But here's the thing. The BZ4X, um, they solved the cluster problem with their steering wheel because the steering wheel and the cluster is all in line. So when you move the cluster, everything moves along with it. They solved that with the BZ4X, but with the Lexus version, they're like, no, I want the, cl- I want the wheel by itself. The cluster stays where it is because that's what's happening here. The cluster is staying where it is and you get a heads up display Whereas on the BZ4X, you don't. I thought, I thought only we don't get the yoke. The so BZ. there is a yoke version of the BZ4X elsewhere, but even with the yoke, you still get the cluster that moves along with it. The Lexus version here, you can clearly see there's a heads up display on top and you get a regular traditional style cluster. So it's kind of weird that they redesigned this interior for the Lexus comparing to the Toyota as well as the Subaru version. Because like the climate vent's been moved up because the climate vents on the Toyota like and the NX. Subaru, it's below the screen. This is exactly like the NX, exactly what you said. It's the NX, but the vents are moved on the top, whereas the NX vents are on the bottom. It's, it's kind of weird. But I, I do like it. I do like the center console on this more than the Toyota oh, yeah. and the Subaru version. This just looks more classy. It is classy. And I, you know what? I like that the Toyota is different enough as well. Um, I like what Toyota did with their, their version. I like what Lexus did with their version. It's just, it's got to be different enough that you don't feel like they just slapped a badge on it. Uh, when you this, jump into this car, you won't know where that starter button is it's an event oh thanks it's, <laughs> it's in it's in plain sight it's the in NX plain sight has it there too i think like roughly in that location i think so i think so you're right yeah i think it is it's it's been a week and i can't remember <laughs> where that yeah, button is it's, it's right to the top uh right of the steering wheel yeah Actually, the old NX had it there, too. Yeah. So it's just a Lexus thing. If you don't get oh, that joystick thing. Um, no, Venza was the one that was weird, right? Yeah, Venza of... one is completely hidden. It's in the ashtray. <laughs> 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 like, you have to open the covers inside. In, it's it's essentially a Lamborghini, right? They want to make sure that you're really sure you want to start it. Uh, and then we got some... GR Corolla news. I mean, we talked about GR Corolla last week, a lot of it, but Justin have some venting to do. No, it's not venting. It's not venting. It's just more like buyer advice. Because like people message me like, hey, should I put a deposit down? I'm like, 
there's no point putting a deposit down. We're <laughs> going to get like so few of these that you've got to be really qualified as a buyer to even get a chance to buy one. Because why? Everyone just wants to buy it to flip it because it's going to be rare. It's it's a unique car. It's flippable. Like there's no doubt about it. It's going to get exported. Uh, like that's what their fear is, right? So there's a few qualifications you should consider that before you even put a deposit. And every dealer's kind of got a different way of doing it, but they basically they're not taking any more deposits because they have way more deposits than they can even fulfill uh, based off of what the rumors are, which is anywhere from one to two a dealer to as low as 10 for the whole region, for the mm -hmm. whole uh, Pacific region. So really hard to get one because it's not just about how soon you put a deposit, how, and, and this is going to be with pretty much any car. Like we talked about it earlier, but, the shortage is flipping the car market. You know, a lot of the, the norms and the status quo is all, it's all changing because just because you're first in line doesn't mean anything, right? Like we, we saw this with the Sienna. We saw this with the Highlander hybrids, the RAV4 primes, all these kind of cars that the demand is so great compared to what their supply is that it doesn't matter that you put your deposit two years ago. Because, and, and don't be mad at dealerships for doing stuff like this and, and playing games like this because ultimately they're, they're used to seeing X many thousands of cars per year come through. You just order, it comes through. They're, they've now been reduced volume-wise to whatever you know it is. I don't know. Every manufacturer is going to have a different percentage. But you got to keep in mind that they're selling quantity-wise less cars. So in order to still pay your employees, pay your rent and everything, you now have to make more money per car. So I don't blame the dealers for doing stuff like this because money doesn't grow on trees. Like, I don't know why people think that the dealers are so evil because they're they're picking and choosing, you know, this guy was in line first. He should he should get it first. Like, I know people that put deposits on this, uh, on the Gia Corolla, last year like it doesn't mean anything um they told me they're not taking deposits from younger guys they're not taking deposits for uh that's refundable because people are just wasting their, everyone's time because i there's multiple people going to multiple dealerships putting out 500 bucks thousand bucks whatever it's refundable um so not refundable deposit to start but even that's over now you can't even put a deposit down but if you have the right qualifications, you might be able to um, get your way in. Now, I talked to, I, I've had a long relationship with Open Road Toyota here. Uh, they're not necessarily my preferred dealer of choice. Apparently, Christian Chia himself has reserved three of these GR Corollas for himself. Like, he's just hoarding them, like he did with the, the, LFA. LFA? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he's a big boss and he owns the biggest dealerships here in in the lower mainland, basically, and elsewhere as well. But uh he's hoarding them, but they're willing to give me one because I'm like, I bought a GR86 from you, I bought a GR Super from you. 
bought a RAV4 hybrid from you. I've bought multiple used cars from them. I bought a Scion IQ from them. I bought a Prius from them. My family's been buying Toyotas for a long time from Toyota, from Open Road. Um, the condition is to give me that first allocation if I trade in my RAV4 hybrid. And because they know I'm not going to export it. Um, they know I'm not going to export it, which is good. Uh, yeah. But and they also like the sales guy like pitched it to to the GM. They're like, look, they they track these GR cars like the GR86 they they that they picked up last month. It's already on track. Like they're they're actually like promoting this brand, promoting these cars, um, and so it's stuff like this that will get you in line first. Like so that's how I got the Type R too. Was the Type R last year again? They had dozens of people putting deposits on type R's. None of them got them because they just wanted to flip them. So they wanted to give it to someone that would lease it because they make more money on a lease. You make interest on a lease. Um, they're, they're happier for it. And because it's a business car, I'm not exporting it. I'm actually driving it. Um, so you got to do things like that to kind of win your way into the dealer. You can hypothetically you can go and buy one of these overpriced rav4 primes or siennas and trade your way into a gr corolla i think if you want one bad enough if you because i had people message me they're like i'm really desperate how can i get one like how desperate are you because if you're willing to pay 20k markup on a rav4 prime and then lose that lose 40k on that right off the bat I'm sure they will give you a GR Corolla. Like that's how that's how the GT car world has worked this whole time. Except now we're talking about Corollas and Rav4s. Is that's you know that's how the the Porsche game was played. How you get a GT car is that you trade in and you take a loss on another GT car. Is is how you win your dealerships um, allocations. So if you want it bad enough. I would suggest they're coming at the end of the year is to buy one of these NX, not NX, NX Prime. If you can get an NX Prime, I'm sure that would help too. I don't think you'll be able to get an NX Prime before the GR Corolla comes. Yeah, so either get a Sienna, like the new ones, or or a uh, something really desirable that they can make a lot of money on. Because Essentially, they're hybrid vehicles. Yeah, all the high. Well, no, a Prius is not going to get you anywhere. Hmm. Don't don't buy a Prius or a Prius Prime to to try to trade your way into or the or the Corolla the hybrid. Yeah, and this is how the luxury market has worked for a long, long time. Like Rolex is infamous for this. Like it's the same exact game. It's I don't know why people are so surprised because this game has been played for decades. If you buy Rolex, you keep buying. They will keep selling them to you. But if you're just like a newbie and you just want to get into it, you're paying the markup. You can't be cheap. You got to understand how supply and demand works. And you got to understand how a dealership works. They need to make money off of, and, and think about it. You got one of, one car allocated to you, one circuit edition GR Corolla allocated to you. You got to make the most out of it that you can. Like that's, it's business. It's not charity, right? 
Um, I don't think there's any real quote unquote hack unless you're Christian Chia and you own multiple dealerships to secure you, yourself one without paying above MSRP. Um, and I'm in the boat where I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not sure I want this car bad enough to trade in my RAV4 hybrid because I dislike it that much. I will trade in any other car except for the RAV4 hybrid. I'm like, this car, like, the, the thing is, the RAV4 hybrid, I owe probably less than 30 grand on it. And you can't even find a 2021 RAV4 hybrid for under 50 right now. It's The, the market is stupid. Um, yeah, that's, it, it's a crazy world we live in because I'm like, oh, well, I have a Type R to trade in. They don't want a Type R because they know what a Type R is worth to me. And they know what the Type R is worth to the market. It, you, they'll make maybe five, six grand on Type R. They can make over twenty grand on this Rav4 hybrid. Yeah. So you got to think about what is going to be the most enticing to the dealer. If you're willing to pay, because you can't necessarily pay a dealer fifty k markup. You're like, you know what? I'll give you hundred k. Just guarantee me the GR Corolla. They can't really do it like that. So you have to kind of go around and. I think the Sienna or Canadian dealers can't do it like that. Mm -hmm. Canadian dealers have to sell you a vehicle at MSRP. So the only way around it is if you give them something in trade, that's you're giving them a lot less or you're getting a lot less out of them uh, than the vehicle's worth. And then they can still sell that vehicle. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So those of you asking, like I've had, I literally just got a message six minutes ago asking if i were to put a deposit down for jr corolla would it guarantee me a car hell no don't even waste <laughs> your time like if you don't have a good pitch don't even waste your time because every, anyone has a thousand dollars to put on a car it, it doesn't mean anything like it's there's no there's no struggle for toyota to to find buyers for these cars you got to understand, they have a lineup of very serious buyers who either have credit or have cash in hand to buy these cars. And don't, that's one more thing too. If you want one, don't, don't, don't walk up to deal. I'll pay you this much. I'll pay MSRP cash. They don't want cash. They want, they want your interest. Yeah. They, they rather have you finance or lease it because that's how they're going to make money. They want if you, you to finance it, slap the extended warranty, slap the undercoating on it. Yeah. all this stuff like, yeah if if you say cash it means that you they're not going to sell you a car <laughs> yeah. so this is the pro tip because take it from someone who's been down this road multiple times now if you don't have a really 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 good relationship and really really good reason for a dealer to sell you one you're not getting one yeah cool and that's our tech advice. tip advice top vehicle purchasing tips uh for this week well thank you so much for uh for listening in and then we'll see you again soon yeah in two weeks hopefully <laughs>